Hey everybody, what's up? This is Kyle Means, editorial director of VRRegalRadio.com, War Media, and a co-host of the All 32 podcast, which you are about to listen to, thankfully. We appreciate it. Uh, just wanted to give a quick correction uh, aside, I guess, or <laughs> a mea culpa here at, right at the beginning. We go uh, into, in, in this episode, we go right into uh, the news of Jalen Ramsey being traded to the Rams and uh, me and Ryan uh, in our uh, analysis part of it we uh, talk about Marcus Peters still being on the team not knowing uh, unfortunately that Peters had been traded prior to Ramsey being acquired by Rams. Uh, Peters went to the uh, Baltimore or earlier in the afternoon. Uh, for those of you who don't know, you probably all know by now if you're listening to this. But but uh, we didn't know at the time we recorded it. Uh, we, I guess we were pretty busy all throughout the day, and we uh, forgot to stay completely up on all the news. So it uh, it changes a little bit uh, what's going on, you know, uh, quite a bit, I would say, what's going on with as far as the Rams are concerned. It doesn't change much of what we said because uh, Ramsey still is clearly – the top guy on the on the Rams, uh, you know, cornerback uh, list, and you know he's you know he's gonna be the most impactful guy on the defense going forward. Uh, you know, in the defensive backfield at least. Uh, you know, but uh, you know, Peters not being there, uh, it definitely makes an impact. I think I would have been a little bit more uh interested in seeing Peters on one side uh with Ramsey. But uh, they still have some other corners there. Uh, I think Nicole Roby Coleman uh, is probably the one I'm most familiar with. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be uh, given the start in that other side or if he's going to remain in the nickel-dime type situation. But, uh, you know, they like I said, they got some other young guys there. Maybe they could pick up someone from free agency as well. I looked on the list last night and uh, of available people, there's a – buttload of cornerbacks out there. So, uh, you know, we'll see how uh, the Rams approach that. If they feel they need an upgrade, uh, I would think so. But, you know, maybe they feel confident in the guys that they have. But, uh, you know, just want to get this in in front of the conversation that we're having. So if you listen to it, you won't feel uh, as, a, you know, <laughs> feel like we're as dumb as we may perceive ourselves to be for not mentioning or knowing at the time that Peters was uh you know already off of the Rams, you know. There's just a little little blind spot we had there. But uh we continue to try to give you the best NFL coverage and discussion that we can. And uh I think you uh enjoy the rest of the show as you hear it here on all thirty two. I w- thank you. All right, what's going on, ladies and gentlemen, good listeners of the War on Anchor? Welcome back to the All 32 podcast. Hope you are having a good week so far and hope you've enjoyed the, the NFL action from this past week. If you didn't get a chance to enjoy it, maybe, you know, whether you did or you didn't, this is your chance to recap all the action from uh, an entertaining week six 
of the NFL season, uh, Chicago Bearless Week, which is a uh, you know sort of a may have been a blessing in some ways, but definitely uh you know you always want to see the the home team in action, but you know the the bye weeks I think are a blessing in disguise too in many ways. They give you a chance to you know uh, especially if you had that diehard love for your team, you get a chance to step back from that and uh, look at everything else in perspective and around the rest of the league, which we do pretty much every week here on all 32. But, uh, you know, for you guys too, you get to do that uh, in, in live action, you know, for the, for the past couple of days. And this has been a pretty interesting week. And uh, I think uh, no, nothing, no, no less of a development than what's just come across the pike uh, has sort of deemed week six of the 2019 NFL season to be one that's going to be remembered for a while because, you know, uh, we just heard in recent hours that the disgruntled and elite talent cornerback uh, Jalen Ramsey from Jacksonville Jaguars has been dealt to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, for a package of picks, a couple of first-round picks. It looks like the Rams' upcoming uh, first-round picks in the 2020 and 2021 draft are included in that package. And uh, this is a big, big deal, you know, because it's something that has been expected around the league for a while, for, you know, in the last few weeks, we should say, as uh, things have deteriorated, the relationship between Ramsey and the front office, it looks like, in Jacksonville, but, uh, you know, it, it was still unknown. There wasn't, there was some teams that emerged as possible suitors for Ramsey, but it was still unknown where he would go. But, uh, some things have come about with the Rams. It looks like in recent time that have really forced that team's hand and made them get in the position where if they want to think about, you know, this is the defending NFC champions we're talking about here. You know, if the Rams want to think about doing anything in regards to defending that NFC championship this year, they got to do something big. And this indeed looks like the big move that they're that they're trying to do to uh, rejuvenate their season, which has been going down the tubes in the last few weeks. But uh, as I bring in my man, Ryan Bukovetsky, who was uh, riding along with me as always, uh, Ryan, you know, let's get your thoughts, man, on this on this big trade. Uh, you know, probably will be the biggest trade this year, regardless of what happens. Uh, you know, going up to the the remaining trade deadline. But you know, Ramsey is a guy who wanted to leave Jacksonville. He gets to go to the bright lights of L.A. and the Rams get a shutdown cornerback that uh, should boost a defense that has been really woeful this season after having a, a couple of great seasons prior to us, you know, uh, what's your thoughts, man, on uh, this whole deal and what could it mean to the, uh, the balance of the NFC West and maybe the NFC in general? Yeah, I think uh, Kyle, and glad to talk to you tonight. Awesome that we got some good news like this to uh, open the show with, but uh, Definitely. the big thing for me in this trade is the Rams clearly want to compete this year and they don't want to put up the white flag. And after losing to the Seahawks, they lost to the San Francisco 49ers. So they're 
kind of losing sight of the division in a sense. And in this NFC, you don't want to be a part of that wild card hunt because who knows with tie breaks, who knows with all kinds of factors. And there's going to be probably, at least at this point in time, without some major injuries happening, there's going to be a lot of teams in the NFC that are going to be in the hunt and it's going to come down to strength of schedule. And in theory, the Rams should have a very strong schedule because of their record last year. So they really don't have any easy games or easy weeks. And when you lose a key to lead to the IR with a ribs injury, and even though he can come back, he was kind of considered, I think, the linchpin kind of cornerback. And you've seen Marcus Peters really struggle since he left Kansas City and came to L.A. Uh, you saw in that Seahawks game, especially there was a couple bombs where he was the guy. And there was kind of a, a video where it looks like him and Tlaib are talking about it. And Peters just looks somewhat dejected. So I wonder if it was just kind of like, OK, let's move on. Let's get a guy that fits the profile of what we need for our defense. We're going to get a good corner back in a few weeks. And if we have a, a really good talent in our secondary, we got Aaron Donald in our uh, on our front line. So this gives us a lot of different options to attack teams. And we don't have, hopefully, a drop-off with uh, an injury like that to leave, which they probably would have a drop-off with just Peters as their main corner. Yeah, definitely. I, I would think so because, like you said, Peters has been – he's had his moments, but he hasn't been nearly the force that he was in Kansas City in a, you know, as a, as a Ram. So, definitely, I think, like I said, a move that is done so, something out of desperation. And I think when, you, when you're the Rams and people, people look – you know, people value so much uh, future picks in the NFL and – you know, first round picks in particular, but the Rams may be a team that they're really just throwing that out the window because, you know, like we said, you're, you've already been to the Super Bowl, So it's like, you got, you, you're in the middle of your window closing already and you, you, they're trying to keep that window open as much as they can. So they're not really looking at, you know, even, even though, you know, people could say your, your quarterback is shaky and, you don't have much of a run game right now. It's, it's you know, Gurley hasn't been the man that he's been in past years. And it's like, you know, there's some impact. There's some definitely some issues with their impact players. But I think the Rams are looking at it like, look, we want to get a title in this next couple of years. We want to get a title for that big new stadium that we're going to have. And, you know, we want a title because we're in L.A. And because people – care much more that we're in LA again than we were were in St. Louis. So, you know, it's definitely a a tough position for the Rams to be in there. Third in their division right now, looking up at two really well-performing teams. You know, we're going to go into the, you know, the team rankings in a minute, but, you know, it definitely makes sense to see that this development is happening. And I'm, I'm interested to see if it'll be a galvanizing thing for the Rams, like you know, we just saw last week, they were really close to knocking off uh, Seattle in that Thursday night game, but they couldn't do it. So the Rams still may have something to offer, especially if they're able to do something, you know, close to what they did, you know, the past couple of years defensively, and uh, you know that's that's been a big uh, marking point for them, something that they've been missing uh, in the in this first couple. Of, couple of weeks, couple months of the season. 
Yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting to see the the effect. And for Jalen Ramsey, he must be extremely happy with how things have worked out. And now it's going to be about his attitude and his play. Can he bring uh, kind of that walk with everything that he's said so far? Because if he comes in and puts that kind of ripple effect where it can be a galvanizing force for a team that uh, really is in desperate need of a spark. Maybe that's the thing that gets this Rams team going and being one of the teams uh, vying for the Super Bowl from the NFC. But uh, it's it's kind of uh, up to how Jalen Ramsey comes in and how well he fits in right away. That's that's well said, man. And when you look at Ramsey, Ramsey is a guy who he doesn't mind attention being on him. He likes having attention on him. He's talked a lot of, of trash in in recent years. He's talked a lot about getting his money from the Jaguars, which in a lot of ways he was right about. But you know, uh it you know, it's still it still makes a difference in the way that, you know, how you make how you impact yourself on the field as well as off it. And I think if this guy, if he fashions himself to be the next Dion, you know, uh, as far as being a, a, a transformative shutdown corner. You know, Dion, when he moved to teams, they won Super Bowls. When he moved to uh, San Francisco, they won a Super Bowl. When they moved, when he moved to Dallas, they won a Super Bowl. You know, uh, he couldn't do it in Jacksonville, but he may have a better chance here in L.A. Can they win a Super Bowl with him? Can they do better than they did in the in the past with without him? If he's able to make that happen, if he's uh, able to be a good guy and uh, an impactful guy, and uh, you know, a team guy, you know that that'll mean a lot for him, and that'll help him get his money that he wants. But if he's just as uh, you know as as fidgety in L.A. as he was in Jacksonville, then that's gonna do a lot to downgrade him. And that's a huge gamble too for L.A. if that doesn't work out, because now I think they don't have a first round pick for the next five years. So. Would you rather be the Bears without a first-round pick but uh, or be the Rams and maybe a little bit further ahead with problems and don't have a first-round pick for a while? Well, that's crazy. Wow. See, when I, I just said, like, them giving up their, their next two picks, I can, I can see that. But for them to do that on top of already having, you know, picks down the line that they that, that are not available to them now, that's that's, like you said, that's a big risk. And you know, whenever the window does close on uh, LA, they may, they may be looking at themselves as being like completely having to redo things. And without you know, and number one draft picks are a big building block in rebuilding. So uh, you know, uh, let's let's see if they hope with you know if they if they uh, know what they're doing out there and uh, how much faith they have in their in their guys that they have now. They got to have a lot of it because. Those are the ones that's going to make a difference right now. Definitely. And you know that Ramsey's signing long-term with two first-round picks invested in them. Yeah. They, yeah they're they married. <laughs> you know, they, they're definitely married right now. So uh, they, they got to they gotta work it out. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, uh, as as Ryan said, we were, we were blessed by the, the breaking news guides for today. So, Good, uh, good way to start off the show. Uh, you know, not as usual as we do. Well, we're gonna continue uh, a little bit on the unusual path. You know, uh, if you listen to us in our previous shows, typically, 
you know, we we run down each score from each game of the week and uh, you know use that to fashion our opinions on each team and each division. We sort of rank the 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 rank the teams in each division, give out a what we think is a best best thing going in in each division and the worst thing going, and uh, keep it moving that way. But we're going to streamline things a little bit because. You know, uh, Ryan was cool enough to write a post recapping, you know, pretty much doing that on his own. Uh, it's currently up on WeAreRegalRadio.com. I'd advise you all to read it if you haven't already. I, You know, I look at the numbers every day, and I think you guys aren't reading Ryan like you should. You know, you're, you're reading them, but I think you guys can read them a bit more. He deserves it. And, uh, you know, definitely, but like, like I said, give this is – this week we're giving you a chance, you know, check out those recaps. Like I said, they're live now on WeAreRegalRadio.com if you want to get the scores and, uh, you know, Ryan's opinions about each game, uh, even his brisk opinion on the, the Washington-Miami game. I think he gave just about enough that that game desire, uh, deserved. But, I thought uh, it was appropriate myself. I, it was. It was. That's why I liked it. But, uh you know, he gives a he gives a bit more on the other games, and uh, you know, we, like I said, we're gonna go over the we're gonna go over the teams, and uh, like I say, look at how you know rank them and such. But I think we're we're gonna go more based on the records and everything, and sort of use those results from this week as a as just a backdrop thing. But uh, you know, let's start off, you know, with with the big news coming from. The AFC South. Let's start off with the AFC South team that gave up Jalen Ramsey, those uh, Jaguars, and they are, like I say, they're in the AFC South. They, uh, you know, they that Jaguars team took a loss this week, uh, another loss, and they fell to two and four. Uh, what was that? What was that? So I got to look up the score. <laughs> I do got to look up the score, maybe a little bit, but. They did take a loss. Who did they lose to, Ryan? The Saints. The Saints, Bears right? Bears yeah. next opponent. The Bears next opponent, definitely. And uh, and we actually we're gonna talk a bit about the Bears at the at the uh, back half of this show. Uh, some injury news and such there, and uh, you know, get you rolling into the our Bears covers that's coming up later this week. But but yeah, they did lose the Saints. It's uh, you know, sort of a defensive minded game there. Which is uh, kind of to be expected with the Jaguars, but uh, you know, and the Saints as well. Saints have a pretty solid defense, and uh, you know they they fought it out, but the Jaguars took a loss there. Also, the uh, Titans lost in that division. The Colts actually were a bye this week, so they they maintain their place at uh, second place in. The division, but the big news from the South was the Texans beating Kansas City in Kansas City. Uh, was a 31 24 victory there, I believe. And um, they uh improved, proved to four and two overall, so they're first place in the AFC South. And I think you could say that they're first, you know, they're they've asserted themselves at least for the time being as competitors in the AFC. You know, it's been, it's been a rough couple weeks for the Chiefs, and we'll get into them uh, pretty soon. But, you know, as, for the, as far as the Texans go, it's a big win for them. And, uh, 
you know, have to have to think that that would be the uh, the highlight of the week this week from the South. Yeah, definitely Deshaun Watson and the Texans. How about it? Two straight weeks, an AFC South team goes into Arrowhead and gets a victory. Yeah. I think uh, that that would be really possible or that that would happen. I certainly felt that this was kind of a toss-up game, but I kind of went with Kansas City just figuring they wouldn't lose two at home, especially to AFC South opponents. It just seems like an odd thing, but... The uh, Texans did what they needed to do with their game plan. They ran the ball, I believe, 41 times and just kept Patrick Mahomes off the field, and he's not quite right, so they took advantage, and Deshaun Watson made the plays that he needed to make for them to win. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was a pretty inspiring performance, and, you know, whenever I see a team, you know, I think, I think a large part it has to do with my frustration with the Bears and their running attack. But whenever I see a team that's running the, with the ball well, you know, I I, re, I kind of really uh, it, it really ingratiates me with that team. You know, I I saw that with the with the 49ers last week on Monday night, and this one, you know, this week with uh, with the Texans, that was it was very cool performance as well, and they did it a lot with Carlos Hyde, who was a guy who you know, as it turns out, was on the Chiefs uh roster in in preseason, but he got let go. And, you know, when you look at the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs are another team like the Bears who are really lacking in the run department right now. And you gotta figure that's, you know, along with with Mahomes, you know, probably like you say, not being quite right. He's probably dealing with the ankle. You know, they can't put too much weight on this guy. He's he's great. But if you put too much weight on him to perform, he's going to buckle eventually, and that's going to ruin their chances this year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that's a great point, and also a great point by pointing out how effective the Texans' run game was. But I think it almost speaks louder to the Chiefs' defense, and I said this in the piece. I'm sorry? I'll say sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, like you've got uh, (laughs) – Uh, a turnstile defense, really, in Kansas City. I mean, it is offense or bust, and especially passing game or bust, as you pointed out, the running back problems. Uh, the Texans did trade for Carlos Hyde, so at least the Chiefs did get an asset for him, but it was a low-level asset. You wonder if maybe it would have been better to keep Hyde, even though he may not fit kind of the prototypical running back for Andy Reid, but he is a running back, and maybe they don't have enough of that at that position, and that certainly could be a problem for them if this defense continues to be so bad. Yeah, yeah. Hyde's a guy you could you could just give the ball to a bunch, you know, twenty times or so and ride them through key moments of the game. But you know, but like you said, it probably wasn't the type of guy who, you know, uh, you know, Reed may have wanted as much uh, to use on utilize on his team. And and when you look at that defense, we we were talking about Ramsey. And, uh, you know, the Chiefs for a while looked like they were the top team, uh, you know, first team in line to pick up Ramsey. There was a lot of rumors about him being traded there. I don't know how much that would have helped their run attack, but, you know, their team that they've known for a while that they've had issues on defense. And, you know, going back to last season and, you know, it was thought that with some of the moves they made, they they may have, uh, you know, uh, worked on some of that stuff 
by acquiring some talents, but they've had to deal with injuries and stuff as well. So it's really, you know, not a great position for them to be in. You know, and like you said, losing two weeks back to back at home to AFC South opponents, a division that, you know, a lot of people may not have expected much of uh, coming into the season. That's, you know, it's saying something, but it may also be saying something about the potential talent and competitiveness that is there with uh, Houston and Indianapolis, that those are two teams that could very well be in the playoffs again this year. Yeah, definitely. The AFC South going to be really competitive, and I believe it's either this week or next week, Colts-Texans play each other. That's going to be some interesting drama. Definitely. Definitely look forward to that. And uh, Let's hop over, since we talked about the Chiefs, let's hop over to the West. And uh, those Chiefs, because of that loss, it brought it, it didn't take them out of first place in the West, but it brought them further, closer to the surprise second-place team, which is the Raiders. Raiders uh, took a bye week as well, coming out of the, the big win over the Bears in London. Uh, they're still at 3-2, and two, so uh, they're you know, just a half game behind those Chiefs. And uh, the other two teams in the division, the Broncos, picked up their second win in a row. They're starting to get something going now in Denver, uh, two and four. And uh, as and it's 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 one of those things where you have two teams with the same record going in in completely different directions. The Broncos are two and four. They have to feel great about themselves this week. But how bad does the Chargers have to feel at two and four? Also, they're uh, technically it last in the division now because they lost to the Broncos and they played a game with that looks like it looked like 90% of their home of, of the people in their home stadium were rooting against them uh, with the Steelers last uh, Sunday night. And, uh, you no, know, they tr- gave up the uh, first 24 points unanswered, you know, gave, gave a little bit of a comeback. But it uh, just wasn't enough. And uh, so that Chargers team looking dead in the water. But, uh, yeah, you got you got three teams in the – three teams played in this division this week. It looks like the Broncos are the highlight for this week, you know, with their win. And, uh, you know, Chiefs and Chargers are reeling. Yeah, Broncos with the highlights, they got their chance to make any type of statement this Thursday when they play the Chiefs at home. If they're able to uh, come away with a big-time victory, I mean, it's not inconceivable that they could compete for the division because at that point, the Chiefs would be really back down to earth. And the big story, though, from the weekend is is the the top two and the Chargers and the Chiefs. And this Chargers team, they got to start getting desperate, and they got to start getting desperate fast, at least for the Chiefs. You know, if Mahomes gets a little bit healthier, I would think that everything's going to sort of go back to normal and they're going to have Tariq Hill moving forward. So that should make uh, this offense be a little bit more explosive as they integrate him and get used to him. And uh, for the Chargers, they don't have really that coming back, maybe in Derwin James, but that looks just unlikely that that's going to give the kind of boost that they need, especially seeing as how he's probably not going to be in great shape since that happened so early on in the season process. Um, I think, uh, you know, Chargers are in trouble. And the Bears, hopefully they won't see a very desperate Chargers team after the Saints. Yeah, definitely. I 
I, I don't know. I think it, whether they're desperate or not, I I would think hope that the Bears could knock them off at least. But you know, that's that's a couple weeks ahead of now. But you know, the yeah, like I said, the Chargers, you know, they like I said, they're really, you know, big ups to the Broncos. You know, Vic Fangio maybe starting to get some things going now out there. And uh, you know, like you said, this is a big Thursday game potentially for them if they if they knock off the Chiefs. You know, three losses in a row for Kansas City, man, that'll be uh, definitely cause to to reevaluate things for that team, and like it, it would, it, it actually would put the Broncos in the mix for the division. You know, as, as unlikely as that that may have looked, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and uh, I think certainly there's some drama right now. Over time, I expect the Chiefs to go back to being the front runners. It's really, uh, are the Chargers going to make any noise or are the Raiders going to be the only other team that maybe fights for a playoff spot? Right, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the, how the Raiders come out of uh, their bye. Will they have momentum coming out of the bye? But uh, looking at uh, another team that, uh, you know, that actually did have some good momentum coming out of the bye, uh, let's look at those New York Jets and the AFC East. Uh, you know, Jets put, probably pulled off the biggest win in the division this week, we would have to say, by knocking off the Cowboys. And, you know, just you you were you were on this, man. You gave them more credit than I did, you know, with, with Darnold coming back. You know, I thought he, you know, might need some uh, more recovery time after, you know, kissing the wrong girl or whatever that he did uh, a few weeks ago. But, you know, he, he came out and showed out, showed out some and, you know, uh, you know, got them a big, big showcase win against a Dallas team that's going to be that right now is really in in the wind, and people are wondering about the, you know, Jason Garrett and everything, and you know his, you know his job standing. So, you know, like I said we'll we'll go into that when we talk about the NFC East, but you know the Jets big win there and uh, their first win of the season. The Dolphins came up just short. You know, some are arguing maybe they did on purpose uh, to, in, their, in their battle of the, uh, you know, I don't know if we could call it the Dud Bowl or what. The, 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 the Battle of the Bads. <laughs> the Battle of the Bads. Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Washington came out on top there, barely 17-16. And, uh, you know, Dolphins are still 0-5 and they're uh, – on their way to the number one pick in the 2020 draft, it looks like. Uh, Bills, uh, 4-1, and one, they had to buy this week. And uh, Patriots overcame the Giants. Uh, you can argue about how impressive they were, but they're still undefeated. 6-0, uh, and oh, the only undefeated team in the AFC, only a, a one of two left in the entire NFL. So, uh, you know, it looks like, again, this the Patriots division to, to take. But as of now, you know, uh, I, I would say that the Jets were probably the most impressive team in the division this week. Uh, you know, what say you? Yeah, uh, I think you got to go with the Jets as well. Patriots, they got some question marks. They're, uh, they're not playing great other than on defense. Offensively, they're a little bit of a mess. But ultimately, I think that they'll be fine because they've got Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and 
you can always fall back to that Peyton Manning Denver Broncos Super Bowl win where he didn't even have an arm and they just were able to put their offense in enough good spots and the defense carried them the rest of the way. And uh, going back to the Jets, you know, I, I just feel like they're a different team with Sam Darnold because of his talent and they have some stuff going on offense and defense, but it just it doesn't work without the quarterback there. They need they're really built for their quarterback to be their best player. And that's what they're hoping Sam Darrow could be. And he gave their whole team a lift. So it was impressive. And I think uh, you know, the Patriots and Jets either play this Monday or the following Monday. That's gonna be a, a very competitive game. Not the type of game that the Patriots want to play necessarily. They're going to have competitive games against the Bills. This AFC East, other than the Dolphins, you know, you got three quality teams. One is clearly the, the elite, or at least we believe that they are elite. The other two, probably not, but they're not They're not necessarily far away from that either. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely. And um, let's move, not much more to be said, I guess, with the East there. Let's move, uh, wrap up the AFC talk with the North Division. And you talk about three quality teams in the East. There may be two, two and a half in the North. Uh, An interesting week, I would say. You know, the Ravens did a lot to uh, pull themselves out of the muck. They, but they didn't, you know, they didn't do, they didn't win big over the Bengals. They only won by six points. Uh, 23-17, but they're at four and two right now. They have a two win. Uh, you know they have a, a two wins in the division, uh, which is big because they had a loss to the Browns. And uh, you know they're they're putting themselves in a position to outpace the other teams right now. You know when you look at the Browns and Steelers, both were competitive on Sunday against a team from outside the division. But the Browns lost a tough one at home to uh, Seattle, while the Steelers, uh, like we said, uh, overcame the L.A. Chargers. And, you know, I think the Steelers have to feel pretty good about their performance. Even, um, you know, they were able to close it out. You know, even though they let the let the Chargers back in, they were able to close it out. And they're down to their third quarterback now. So they're, they're in a very precarious position, but they're still not, in a, they're still not out of their division, so they have. I, I think that has to be something that they can feel uh, encouraged about. Whereas the Browns, they just seem to take, you know, one step forward and two steps back, and it looks like they did that that in this in this game against Seattle. Like they were they were, you know, ready to win that game, but then they gave it up, and. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm, I, was, I still don't know what to make of that team. But, you know, as of now, the Ravens are ahead of everyone. And, uh, you know, I guess you got to give them the uh, – what, 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 would you, what would you lean more towards, the Ravens or the Steelers as far as uh, the most impressive team this week? Uh, I would lean a little bit more uh, Ravens instead of the Steelers. It's It's close. It's a really good win for the Steelers, but – I think the problem right now for them is they they've taken advantage of the Bengals and the Chargers who are two teams with 
a lot of bad performances so far this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to have their way running the football and doing some of the small-time stuff that they do against teams like the Ravens. Because that game against the 49ers with Mason Rudolph, I mean, they just looked outclassed. And clearly, the 49ers look like an elite team. I, I think the Ravens are the most consistent team in this division. That's why they'll probably win it overall. But I I think it's really uh, a, like equal talent across the board, basically. And the Steelers are going to be a really tough team late in the season. I don't think that they're going to quit at all under Mike Tomlin and they're going to be as competitive as they can and probably have a, a distant shot at a wild card spot uh, if everything continues to play out as well as it has since, uh, you know, Mason Rudolph went down with that injury. But the uh, the Ravens are clearly the team that has the most complete football team other than maybe the Browns, but the Browns are just flat out. They're missing something and it might just be uh, too much inconsistent and bad play from the coaching staff down to the roster that I don't think that they're going to matter in the AFC North crown. They might be a wild card team if they can slowly or at least get things put together. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm baffled by them. And, and for me, I would think that maybe it is the coaching. You know, they don't have an experienced coach. They have a guy who is, you know, not very polished at all. Yeah, he was a position coach before assuming offensive coordinator, before assuming head coach, basically. So not to – I think coaching – I'm with you. Coaching is definitely part of the problem. Yeah, it's it's too much inconsistency with them and – you know, if they had a better coach, they probably would be in the position that the Ravens would, would are in at least. You know, it would maybe a couple of those games they they got back and maybe they'd be four or two or so. But you know, it uh, it's though the Browns are going to Brown, I guess, and even with the expectations that they had coming to the season, there's still a lot more work for them to do. But I I I, I agree with you. I think the Browns do have the most talent out of any team in this at any team in the north but they need better leadership and they need you know maybe they can grow with uh with kitchens but you know i i don't foresee him lasting very much longer unless if they give up more games like they did sunday you know i'll see him lasting past this year yeah i'm with you i think uh First half of the season, really, really tough. Second half of the season, pretty manageable, and they have a chance to pick up a lot of wins. It's can they stay afloat until they get to that point? And, you know, if Freddie Kitchen doesn't uh, close out the season strong, he probably will lose his job. Yeah. So, uh, hopping over to the NFC, and, uh, you know, we just got through talking about the Browns. The Browns gave up uh, the game Sunday to those Seahawks, and uh, those Seahawks keeping it going five and one now with that victory, and uh, they're keeping pace with the Niners, who you know have already had a bye week, and they're uh, at five and zero. Oh. I say the only uh, undefeated team in, outside of the Patriots in the whole NFL, the only undefeated team in the NFC. And uh, you look at this week, 
you know, you had, like I said, you had the big win there with uh, Seattle in Cleveland, and the the big uh, big matchup though in the West was, was of course the 49ers and the Rams, and the 49ers just really pounded the Rams throughout that game and really uh, contained their offense, which is something that you know we we spent a lot of time talking about the Rams defense. Uh, in regards to them picking up Ramsey, but they looked just as befuddled as anything in trying to score uh, this past Sunday against San Francisco. And that's, you know, I guess you got to figure they're not going to face too many teams that are as equipped as San Francisco in shutting them down. But I think there's got to be another worry on their list too coming out of that game. But uh, they're three and three, the Rams are, and they're, they got the Cardinals, you know, huffing down their neck. Uh, team that, you know, coming off of a number one pick in the 2019 draft. And, you know, they put Kyler Murray in that position and they've been riding them. And uh, they got a two, three, and one record now through six games. That's got to be pretty impressive and, and, and probably as good as we would expect them to be. They uh, picked up another victory this week in the shootout with uh, Atlanta. And, uh, yeah, well, what's your what's your take on the West? Uh, they got a uh, say three three out of four teams winning this week. Of course, the Rams could be the fourth team to win, but uh, you know uh, they at least did something for themselves proactively in, in picking up Ramsey this week. But uh, competitively on the field, you know, what were your thoughts on the West right now? Well, you just kind of said it. That's why uh, what we said earlier with the Ramsey trade, the Rams knew if you lost this game, you've lost one to the Hawks, one to the 49ers. You can't lose many more games against them, and they're going to play a lot more tough games. I mean, they almost have to start making a stand now because you can't fall too far behind these teams in San Francisco. I mean, they were a top five pick. They're going to have a very easy schedule the rest of the way. They're not going to have too many tough games, and uh, it's going to really come down to them just handling business in the division. I love where the Seahawks are at right now. They didn't play a great game, but they just responded, and it was on the road, so it's never easy. They played against a desperate team, so you knew you were going to get their best shot coming out of the gate. And uh, they weathered the storm. Russell Wilson just is playing at an MVP level. I'm so impressed with what he's done this year. And uh, they've got really just solid pieces all across the board. And the only other special player that they probably have is Bobby Wagner and his leadership with Russell Wilson's leadership. They've got their offense leader, their defense leader, their overall team leader, a good head coaching staff. It's going to be fun seeing the Niners compete with the Seahawks. And I, I, have a feeling that the Seahawks are going to be that veteran talent team that finds a way to win the West. Definitely. definitely. I'm with you there. Like, uh, I think I've already said it too. I think uh, I like the Seahawks to win that division. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, maybe they, they uh, split with the 49ers or so. Uh, but the 49ers, you still got to look at them as a good bet for a wild card if they don't make their division. Uh, uh, so it's, you know, those are two of the best teams in the league right now. And, uh, Definitely going to be fun to see how they close out, how each of those teams close out the season. Yeah, and uh, it should be very competitive. And like I said, the the one thing the Niners really have going for them 
They should have a very easy schedule. We'll see with injuries and how everything breaks down, but they had a last place schedule, basically. Uh, the only team worse than them was the Cardinals. And so they're going to have the benefit of some easier games, I would think. And, and they're probably going to have, uh, you know, plenty of opportunities to rack up some, some good amount of wins. Certainly, certainly. That's definitely something you got to look out for. And, you know, with some of these teams that did particularly well last year, you know, uh, that could mean, you know, maybe they lose a, a game or two down there in the second half of the season that could make a difference in uh, their positioning, whether you're talking about wild card or, uh, you know, division or, you know, possibly even division uh, races. But uh, as we move out of the West, uh, let's take it to the South where uh, you had a couple of teams who you know who themselves may benefit from having a less, you know, less competitive schedules. Uh, I think one team in particular, you could say about maybe the Panthers and their team that has won, uh, reeled off four straight wins without Cam Newton. And uh, that's been the source of, uh, you know, if not a full out quarterback controversy yet, at least the potential makings of one as Kyle Allen uh, keeps that team uh, afloat and possibly thriving. But uh, the Panthers took down the Bucks. Uh, over there in London, uh, the early game there Sunday morning, and uh, they improved their record to four and two. Uh, the Saints, we already said, uh, they're f- playing a first place, the first place schedule themselves because they were first place last year, and they're maintaining again without their quarterback, their starting quarterback, as Teddy Bridgewater wins again with that team. Uh, they were offense wasn't as uh fiery as they've been in, in recent weeks, but they were able to take down Jacksonville. And uh, the Falcons, like we said, uh, just uh, really in the in the bucket right now, uh, took a loss to the Cardinals in Arizona and, uh, you know, really not in the, in the mix with anything right now. But uh, when you look at the top of the division and uh, the Saints and the Panthers, two teams who at the moment stand to compete, but two teams that are also – in, in one way or another, are going to have to welcome back uh, their franchise quarterbacks in, in, in the coming weeks. Though know, uh, we talk about the Bears and the Saints coming up. You know, that may be a game where uh, Drew Brees is welcomed back to uh, to New Orleans. And, uh, you know, that could be a big, you know, big uh, deficit there for the Bears. But, uh, you know, you look at the Saints – they're looking as strong as anybody right now, including those NFC West teams. So uh, what do you think about the the South division right now, Ryan? Yeah, it's going to be very competitive. Saints, uh, I would say, are the favorite as they continue to just play really smart football until Drew Brees comes back. Uh, the Bucks aren't necessarily going anywhere. They're not ready to compete yet, but that's an offense that can just absolutely go off on any given Sunday. And they have uh, – a good coaching staff, so you never know what they, you're going to get from them, but usually it's going to be a strong effort, I would think. And the Panthers, I mean, you remember me, Kyle, talking about them. I thought that they were a sneaky good team that nobody's talking about and how bad their offense really looked the first few games. You just thought, man, it, it's just it's over. And now that Kyle Allen has come in and solidified the quarterback position, 
you know, whoever it is, uh, whether it's Newton or whether it's Kyle Allen, if that position can give them and really what Ron Rivera is looking for, which are some good throws, so do not turn the football over and get the ball into the hands of your playmakers and let them just get out in, into space. And North Turner has done a great job game planning that. Kyle Allen has done a great job executing it, and it's allowing their run game and allowing their defense to take over. And that's why I think that they could be one of those teams that could be really scary down the stretch. Yeah, and that I think they have to be pretty encouraged by the performance this week because they didn't really get a great game out of McCaffrey either, but they got enough from their team overall that they were able to uh, to overcome the Buccaneers, who was a team that has proven that they could put some points up on the board. But the you no know, defensive performance was definitely great for Carolina, and they forced a bunch of turnovers. Uh, you know, a career high turnover of five for uh, for Winston, five interceptions. But, uh, you know, definitely something, something to see going forward. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on the quarterback situation there? Do you think that – well, if you were in that position, you know, if, if you were in the Rivera's position, would you be more inclined to keep rolling with, uh, with Allen or would you just – would the job be, you know, uh, cams to lose? I mean, for me, the conversation wouldn't start until is Cam Newton 100% healthy or as healthy as he can possibly be. I think he comes back starting next week to practice. Maybe it was this week, but even if he's practicing, is he 100% healthy? Is there anything at all going on? Because the last thing you want is to decide to go with Cam Newton, put him in a game, and then he gets hurt again, and for whatever reason, the mojo's broken with Kyle Allen because it was just a, a flash in the bucket. You want to ride the hot hand, especially uh, with how inconsistent Cam Newton's been. And once, once you know Cam Newton is 100% healthy, then I think you can start talking about, okay, what's best for the team? And, you know, Cam is a leader on that team along with the other leaders. And I think that the players would have somewhat of a, a vote in this. And – I'm not sure which way it would go, but I would think Rivera's going to listen to all types of, you know, his analytics, his GM, his coaches, his players, his leaders, and try to come up with the consensus decision from there. And it's just going to come down to, I think, how the team continues to play. And if Cam Newton can play well and be healthy, he should be able to succeed in this offense too. Definitely, definitely. And uh, we'll talk a lot more about this in the in our breakdown of the Bears and uh, Saints in the uh, our next Bear Necessities podcast later this week. But right now, how would you size up that situation with with New Orleans and the possibility of uh, of Drew Brees maybe returning this week? Well, I haven't heard quite anything about that, so I don't know how much of a, a realistic possibility it is, and. You know, I would think maybe the Saints would consider not starting him potentially this week because of that Bears defense. That might be a tough defense to come back from. And yeah. you got to make sure he's 100% healthy for sure because you don't need to rush Drew Brees back. You've really stayed afloat. And even if you lose this game to the Bears on Sunday, 
uh, you know, it's not a good loss and you don't want to get lost into the NFC, you know, wild card picture. But you would think that going four and one without Drew Brees so far, you would be pretty happy with that if you're a Saints fan or in that front office. So maybe he comes back. Maybe they decide to just continue to ride Teddy Bridgewater. And I think with both him and uh, Cam Newton, it's the same thing. Are we talking about a 100% healthy player? Because we aren't dying for wins. We aren't dying for energy. We aren't dying for performance. It, it would definitely help us to have our superstar quarterback back, especially if he's playing well. But the last thing we want to do is put him out there, lose him, and not have him for the playoffs or something big where they've succeeded before. Definitely, definitely. One team that uh, picked a, a good time to bring their quarterback back was the Jets. And, and we already talked about them uh, being the, the highlight in the AFC East. But, uh, you know, for every highlight, there's a low light. And uh, you probably got to put that as far as the NFC East goes, you probably got to put that on the Cowboys this week. They, uh, you know, looked flat and really were out-muscled and out-manned in, uh, in New Jersey uh, in that loss there. And they, you know, they were a team that looked like they had a stranglehold on the East at the beginning of the season. But, you know, right now they're – tied with the Eagles for three with a three and three record. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's coming off a week for the Eagles where they looked pretty flat at losing to Minnesota. So this could have been the week where uh, the Cowboys could have took advantage of things, but they didn't. And now uh, the East is, you know, is up in the air now as it's ever been. Uh, the Giants uh, took another loss this week. And um, though they dropped to two and four, and the Red, uh, the Washington team uh, picked up their first win of the season. You know, we, the battle of the bads, as as Ryan calls it, uh, really nothing much of consequence there, unless you're talking about the draft. But uh, you know, Washington picks up the win, uh, and you know, given the fact that they are the only team in the division to win this week, you know. Uh, I guess we gotta put them put them as the as the top team this week by default. Yeah, you know I don't have a real big problem with that. It was a real just low light weekend for the entire division up and down, and really one you know, of the best. That's gotta be it's gotta be one of the worst weeks we've seen a division have this year. Yeah, probably probably number one, or if not number one. It feels like number one because they should have some titans and heavyweights when it comes to the playoff picture and the Cowboys and the Eagles. But the Eagles go to Minnesota. They get absolutely pantsed by the Vikings. And the Vikings are undefeated at home. So anytime the Vikings are playing at home, they, they seem to have really stepped it up this year versus on the road. And you look at what they did against that Eagles squad, uh, that's, that's a huge victory for them, a huge tie break potentially. And the Eagles, they've got still a lot of question marks, even though their talent at a lot of various positions is undeniable. But even with that talent, the Vikings got to do really whatever they wanted on every phase, basically. And you look at the Cowboys, it's funny with the Cowboys, they're they're really, to me, one of those teams, and you get them occasionally across sports every year, where it's like they haven't really changed much but all of a sudden people are buying stock heavily into that team or into a player. And 
all off season, it just seemed like people wanted to really buy the Cowboys, and I just didn't really understand why. Because you've got no change at the head coaching spot, where Jason Garrett is just an average head coach, and you're probably losing the coaching battle when he, they go up against any coach that's really talented and really good. So that's already you're coming into the game basically losing. And as good as Ezekiel Elliott can be, you know, he's just not a guy that's going to dominate every single week. And when he doesn't dominate, it's up to Dak Prescott and that offense to figure out something else. And they just never seem to be able to figure anything else out. And Elliott isn't the one to dominating, or at least the combination of Elliott and Amari Cooper at wide receiver. And defensively, I don't know why they've been as poor as they've been. And it's not that it's been necessarily terrible, but they just don't make any takeaways. They don't really get a lot of sacks. They just kind of play solid defense. And against the right opponent, they can get a lot of stops. Against the wrong opponent, they can be in a shootout. And really, I don't think the Cowboys are much better than they were last year. I think that they are the same team. If everything works out for them, they can go as high as – 11-5, 10-6. Eleven and five, ten and six. If they have just kind of a normal year, they're probably eight and eight, seven and nine. Yeah, and and that's like you said, that's what that's what they've always been, and that's what they seem to continually be within the last 20, 25 years now since they won their last Super Bowl. And you you talk about the expectations being warped down there. It's because I think it's really because. ESPN and Fox and all these every every point. every point. all these outlets that cover professional football they have people dedicated to the Cowboys as if they've just won the Super Bowl but they yeah their fan base is just so high that they get so much attention for really no reason it's it's yeah. like a vicious cycle or something yeah and it happens every year every and this is ridiculous and I, I have to give it to them though because Jerry Jones and his and his people know what they're doing. They manufacture storylines as well. Much you know, pretty, you know, you look at the way he was winking all through this these negotiations with Zeke Elliott in the offseason. They they know what they're doing in, in, in regards to manufacturing attention as well. But like, like I said, all the media outlets and the fans and everybody online they we feed into this stuff every year. And it just it just creates these warped expectations, and they rarely, if ever, leave, uh, live up to them. And now you're looking at a team that has, uh, you know, they have a they have a a satiated running back as far as money goes. So he's probably, you know, what what's to say he's going to have an any type type of inspired performance going forward? You have a quarterback who, you know. Day in, you know, from day to day, it looks like, you know, one one game, he looks like give them all the money that you got. And the next game, it looks like you should be uh, putting them up as trade fodder. And you have a and you have a head coach who nobody really knows while he's still there. And it's like it, the though eventually we got to we got to rid ourselves of these Cowboys or 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 they going to you know maybe they'll do it themselves again this year but but the sad thing is that nobody else in that division is worth the attention either and the eagles have you know stumbled in that way you know the giants are definitely not going going to be that team this year and certainly washington isn't so you know at, as far as the nfc east goes it looks like 
again by default, <laughs> the the Cowboys are the, are the team that's worth paying attention to. If, but we got to hold out hope, I guess, that the Eagles would do something I to mean, overcake to them. To me, I, I I would bet Eagles still. I, I know a lot of people would bet Cowboys. I would still bet Eagles. I feel like they are going to figure out some things and get better. I, I think Dallas, uh, just personally for me, I don't trust it. It, it never seems to work out. And they're going to have a really tough schedule. Yeah, and yeah, because they were you know, coming off of last year. They they have the first place schedule, so maybe that'll that'll be what what does them in. Uh, and you know the Eagles. I would it, you know if I would expect the Eagles to beat them in the head up, you know head up. So yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Hopefully the Eagles will make make it happen. But you know if we look at that performance from Sunday, they didn't do much to really inspire much confidence in in uh in their performance you know but that being said minnesota is a tough team and they're a particularly tough team at home like you say so you know maybe that's just it maybe like i said it's probably gonna be a situation with the east where we're looking at a 10 and 6 or 9 and 7 champion this year yeah i would think so just like last year yep and uh yeah as we finish up our divisions uh we uh, come back home to the NFC North, and uh, the Bears. We'll we'll talk about the Bears a little bit uh, here at the end because we got some uh, injury news here, and uh, we'll use that to lead into our our next episode of Bear Necessities, which you'll be able to hear later this week. But uh, the Bears were off this week, of course, so that nothing to really talk about from this week. Uh, the the rest of the, the rest of the clubs were in uh, action. The Vikings, we also we've already talked a bit about them. They took down the Eagles pretty convincingly at home on Sunday, and uh, the Packers and the Lions uh, went at it on Monday night. And this was a game that really the Lions should have won on Monday night, but <laughs> them being the Lions, they found a way to give it up. And uh, you know, really, that I think that's be as gut wrenching a loss as they've had uh, definitely within the last couple years. And it's, it's tough because I think we were both pretty impressed by their, their start in the first four games. They looked, you know, coming off of that really uh, embarrassing tie against uh, Arizona to, in week one. They they fought back pretty good, and they, they got a couple good wins. But uh, that was a bad loss Monday. And I would think that it probably, you know, we got to see how, how they respond to it, but – I, I I don't know if it's going to do much for them uh, as far as uh, any having any hope for competing in the division, but they do have some things there, and you know I wouldn't I would that wouldn't be a team that I would necessarily want to see going forward. Yeah, I, I think the Lions have proven that they're going to be a capable team that could come in and beat you especially if you don't prepare for them and especially if you give them opportunities. But we also have seen a couple times now already this year, the tie against Arizona, you had the big lead, gave that up. Uh, I mean, I get that the two penalties were really rough and a little bit unfair, but you had five field goals and you were plus three in the turnover department. It's hard to imagine that winning that type of game. Uh, you know, when you get that many, turnovers and you get that many opportunities on the other team's field, you got to find a way to get some touchdowns. 
So they're still a team that will shoot themselves in the foot. And I, and I think even though Minnesota had a great uh, Sunday themselves, uh, you know, a big thing for them is if they get the downfield passing. If you can stop Kirk Cousin from throwing the ball downfield, it really forces them to become that traditional run team with uh, good defense. And I don't know if they have a good enough defense or a good enough run game to dominate teams, uh, certainly to win a lot of ball games and maybe beat a lot of really good teams, but I'm just not sure of that completely. But uh, huge victory for them. They really needed that, especially responding from their Bears loss with a win against the Giants and this Eagles team. They sit uh, strongly in second place. And for the Packers, you know, they're a team that uh, – they're interesting because I think in some ways they deserve a lot of praise and in other ways they're getting way too much praise and that defense as solid as they were, I guess, overall and keeping that Packers team in the game. I think part of that is because the lions offense is just very pedestrian overall. And if they go up against a team that's really solid offensively, that has a capable defense, that's going to be really tough for the Packers because they aren't playing great on offense. They're playing okay. They're doing enough, but, uh, you know, and Aaron Rodgers is great enough that if the game's close late in a ball game, he can be the difference still. But uh, you got to get to that point. And against a good team, I don't think that that Packers team gets to that point last night. Yeah, you're you're right, Ryan. And, you know, I keep I – keep, I hate being just uh... – you know, the, the Bears fan who, you know, just keeps looking back at things. We got so much that we look back on right now, you know, draft picks and past games and stuff that we look back and we torture ourselves with. But I just think if, in week one, if the Bears show any type of fortitude in that game and they and they win that game as they should have, then a lot changes, I think, with the direct with the trajectory of the of the of uh, Green Bay. You know, and then, you know, they're not sitting so pretty. You're probably, you're, you're looking at maybe four wins right now at the most. And the Bears, you know, have maybe four wins as well. And you're talking about a much more inconclusive division. But as it, as it were, this division still is pretty much up for grabs. And I think we, when you look at the Vikings, like you said, and their, you know, their ability to really get off when they're getting the ball down the field, I think it's it's interesting when you look at the uh, the defensive backfields for each of the teams in the division, the Bears and Green Bay and Detroit. Those are pretty solid, and you no, know, I think you know the Vikings aren't going to be able to see NFC East teams for the rest of the season. They're going to have to win these these in, these games in division. So that could be a big, uh, you know, that could, that could be a big uh, speed bump for them as far as, you know, playing the type of games that they want in division. And when you look at the running game, too, the Bears have already shown that they could shut down Cook. And I think the Green Bay, you know, front seven as much as improved as they are, they may be, uh, you know, I have to look back at the numbers they had in their first game. But well, I would Kyle, think one thing be- I, I want to go back to that that passing uh, defense that you just pointed out, that's that's the big thing. Forget everything else with Minnesota. If they dominate on the run uh, with their run game, then they're probably going to beat you. 
because they're going to do play action. They're pro- they're going to play good defense. But you shut down their run game, and that's what you're going to do no matter what until Kirk Cousins really shows that week in and week out he can just beat you deep downfield. Teams are going to come in and say, stop Dalvin Cook, let Kirk Cousins make mistakes, and can he do it against good defenses? Because <laughs> he's done it against the Giants and the Eagles, and I don't know if those are two good defenses. Does this somewhat – uh, is this a house of cards with the Vikings? Does it come crashing down as soon as they start playing some good passing defenses that shut down the run? Because then it, it starts to look ugly for them. Right. And, and like I said, we've seen it already. You know, six points to Soldier Field. That's probably as good of a defense as they're going to face this year. And they didn't rise up to the occasion. You know, maybe, I don't know if uh, – you know, Cousins kissed Steelings behind enough to make that all right, but there's still reason to think that there may be issues there if they come across a, a an opponent that shuts them down again. You know, Diggs got off again this week as well, but is he still going to be happy at week to week? That could be, you know, with wide receivers, that could be the, you know, it, it's all about how they're getting, they're as happy as they are when they're getting the ball. So, you know, you know, Diggs, you, may, you can talk to him this week. He'll probably be happy as all get out. But if if he shut down again in a in a future game against the Bears or the Packers or the Lions, you know he may be one to talk about being traded. So you never know. Yeah, and uh, the Bears for them, they've just got to find a way to get a win this week at home against the Saints. Uh, certainly going to be tougher than uh, you hoped it would be, but. That's still a team that's probably not going to have their star quarterback. If you can just keep away to stay pace and keep winning, as long as they stick with the Vikings, they got a tie break on them. And, you know, even with the Packers, they are playing basically all their home games already. I think their first six of their, uh, the first eight games, six of those are home. So they're only going to have a couple home games after the first half of the season. And that's where they might have a little bit more of these falls because they've looked shaky at times at home imagine on the road where if they continue to be this shakiness they're probably going to drop a couple and then you're going to have a chance again and one of their home games in that second half is the bears so if the bears can find a way to return the favor uh that the packers showed them in week one then they can maybe really put a hurting on the packers chances depending on how they play on the road yeah, yeah, and you know that's uh, like I said. Depending on how how the Bears play in these next few weeks, we can have maybe more uh, encouragement or not going into those later games. Uh, you know, uh, green, the the game at Green Bay being particular of, of particular importance. But uh, as we close out uh, all 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 thirty two show this week, uh, like I said, we'll give give you a little bit of advance. Uh, you know peak of our talk that we'll have for Bear Necessities uh, later this week. But, uh, you know, the, the news that has come out uh, in the last couple of uh, two IR classifications of uh, well-known and uh, you know, well-liked Bears, uh, Kyle Long uh, yesterday and today, Akeem Nix, uh, which is, I think, a much more devastating uh, bit of news than, than Long. But uh, the defense, you know, a lot of stars on the defense. Hicks is definitely one of them. It downgrades the defense a bit. You know, it's something that they could probably – they could possibly still get over. But, 
you know, given the uh, the, the the pretty good play of players like Nick Williams and uh, Roy Robinson Harris, they've really uh, shown themselves to grow. And uh, of course, Eddie Goldman is one of the best D, uh, DTs in the league as well. Uh, definitely someone that we should talk about more uh, on this show as well as others. But uh, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts, Ryan, as we close out on those. You know, those two bit of news, and you know, uh, a lot of people are, and with Long are saying that this may be we may be getting towards the end of the road with him, and uh, you know. But, uh, you know, with Hicks, definitely is a guy whose energy and leadership on the field is uh, something that the Bears are going to be missing in the second half. Yeah, you know, it's never a good loss when you lose one of your best players in your Pro Bowl, All-Pro defensive end. But uh, I might have a slightly different take on this than normal because you're going to get Hicks back, and I'm not really worried about the defense regardless. It's all on the offense for me. Even with Hicks here – if this offense can't start averaging at least 20 to 25 points a game, I, you know, I don't care if he, Hicks is having a monster season, which he hasn't been at least to this point, you're not going to win enough games to win in the NFC and get a wild card spot or win the division. And certainly this injury makes that road definitely tougher and no doubt about that. But uh, to me, the only thing it, it puts extra pressure on is Mitch Trubisky. I mean, you've got to start becoming some of the reasons that, like, you see with other teams and good quarterbacks. You can get by without a defensive lineman, especially a team like the Bears, because they have a deep rotation. They still have a superstar player coming after the quarterback. They can survive this no problem if the offense shows up. If the offense can find a way to ball control get the offense or the run game going, if they can get some sort of a passing game outside of the quick short pass game and put up some points and get into those 20s and maybe even 30s, we're not going to be talking about Akeem Hicks as this downer. We're going to be talking about, man, can you imagine this team when Akeem Hicks comes back in a few weeks? So uh, this is uh, certainly a bad time for that injury, and you hope that he could maybe come back in a little bit of time He's still going to be able to come back, and they're going to have definitely the defense to carry that side of the ball. But can the offense do its part in caring for that loss of Akeem Hicks? But just in general, even with a great Akeem Hicks, this team isn't going anywhere without scoring some points. That's definitely for sure, man. Uh, And, uh, yeah, (laughs) can't argue that at all. Uh, Definitely, I would rather see – Hicks on the field, though, and, and, you know, maybe have a chance to work through that slow start, like you said. But, you know, the more important thing is him being healthy overall. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a chance that he could be uh, – there's a there's a chance, like, like I said, that he could be back in action by the end and of they, the year. And they did designate and, uh, him you know, to return. So it's not IR season over. Right. Okay. But that's yeah, that's good to know. So, you know, uh, you know that's that's one thing there. That's one thing there that gives you some, some, and that and the overall depth of the defense allows you to definitely feel better about that. I think, uh, you know, give me a word or two on uh, on long, uh, and what what are your thoughts on that? As far as you know, some a lot of people have been saying that this is a needed move, and that uh, you need to get some more people involved in that off in that. 
uh, offensive line anyway because Long hasn't really been doing making Well, with the offense, it, it's really the quarterback and the offensive line. Both haven't been good enough, and maybe it starts even more with the offensive line because you can't really have great quarterback play if you don't have a run game and if he doesn't have time. So what can you really do to improve that side of the ball? And Kyle Long's spot looked like the easy one, and I think – for the Bears, uh, you know, they must have known that that hip was a problem. They must feel that he's not going to be able to come back anytime soon. And if he's not going to be able to come back anytime soon with how poorly he's played, what's the point of really holding a roster spot for him? Especially when you got a guy like Alex Bars, who they've brought up finally. And he is a, a really talented prospect and a guy that looks at worst case scenario, a better worst case scenario than Kyle Long right now. And uh, they've got a couple guys with Ted Larson, Rashad Coward, that maybe they can do some things that Kyle Long just simply can't do right now. And certainly this week in the bye week and in this practice week, I'm sure a lot of self-scouting has been done. And I'm sure that these offensive coaches have come together and decided on a way to attack teams consistently with the running game or with the passing game. And part of that has been, I would think, these are the plays that we have done very well at. These are the plays that we have not done very well at. The plays that we haven't done very well at have a lot of these type of blocks. The plays that we've done well at have a lot of these type of blocks. So let's do more of the stuff that we do well versus the stuff that we don't do well. And I would think they're going to have, let's say it's inside zone blocking, Who's our best inside zone blocker? Oh, that's uh, Harry. He stand the offensive line coach. Who's our best inside blocker? Well, that's Ted Larson. Well, then Ted Larson's our right guard. I think it's that simple at this point because you can't change out too many of the other guys. Cody Whitehair is your best offensive lineman. Uh, If you're not going to switch him and James Daniels at the uh, center and guard spot, then you don't really have another great option at center. Uh, It would be Ted Larson. So do you want to go two backups? or move James Daniels out to right guard. I don't think that that's going to happen. Left tackle is Charles Leno. You pay him to be there. Same with Bobby Massey. So the only real spot is that right guard position, and I think it's going to be whatever guy does best for whatever their scheme is moving forward. Yeah, I think the offensive line is going to – the development of that that group is going to say more about – uh, how much the Bears are going to win lose the rest of the season and everything. So, uh, you know, hopefully the hopefully they, more than anybody, any unit on the team, you uh, uh, utilize this, this off-week to their best abilities. And, uh, you know, hopefully starting this Sunday, we'll see something more lively and more together uh, going with this, with that group, because if like I say, they just have come up short, and especially in recent weeks, they didn't show much of anything against the Raiders. We we got a talented young, young running back in Montgomery who can make plays if you give them space, and and we have a quarterback who needs time to develop, and needs needs time to develop in plays on the field, and and you know not just in the general sense of needing time to develop. But he needs time to make plays when he's out there on the field. And if the offensive line is providing that for him, then the Bears aren't going to do anything 
on offense, like you say, Ryan, and that's going to lead to uh, more losses than wins. Yeah, uh, offensive line, you know, they've got to become part of the, the solution because uh, right now they're way too big, a, a way too big of a part of the problem. And if they can somewhat turn themselves around and be at least decent and respectable. I would hope with the coaching that they have that they can find a way to get that offense. Like I said, you got to get into the mid-20s when it comes to scoring. However you do it, uh, whatever style, it, it, that doesn't matter. you got to get into the mid-20s, give that defense a real chance to shut down opponents and quit having them you know, have to hold one and two-point leads. Give them an eight-point lead and have them close the door. Yes, indeed, and uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the next step forward is this Sunday against a really good Saints team at home. So, uh, you know, a lot will be said about about the Bears uh, in the next week, and you can hear us say a lot about it uh, coming up. Uh, the next Bear Necessities podcast is coming up this week. Should be probably Friday when we release that. But uh, we'll be recording that in the meantime for your benefit. And, uh, you know, Ryan will uh, definitely be back with me for that. Uh, there's no Dean Davis show this week. To, uh, a bit of the, a uh, bit of the under the, uh, a bit of the crew is under the weather. So uh, they're just taking some time to rest. But uh, like I said, you'll hear Ryan back with me later this week on Bear Necessities and definitely next week for another round of all 32. So uh, Ryan, uh, uh, hope you enjoy your, your, your the rest of your time, the the extra time off you got this week, man. And uh, you know we'll uh, we'll get back to it. Uh, Sounds good, days. man. I am uh, gonna enjoy some playoff baseball. Yeah, it's been pretty. That's been pretty interesting. I've I've been liking the Nats. That's my man. team. Uh, pretty, that's who I'm rooting cool for this year, man. baby. Nats all the way. Yeah, attitude, like man. That's what that's so. No doubt. I, mean, I, I love the natitude. I'm in on it. Yeah, definitely. Hope you all have the right natitude in your life, man. Go out and go out and attack attack things like uh those those Nats are right now. They're on the verge of the World Series. So uh, wish uh wish all you guys success going forward and uh check us back out uh in a couple of days. Check out the rest of our stuff here on War on Anchor. We are RegalRadio.com uh, as well. Like I said, we definitely read Ryan's recap of the past week in the NFL. Uh, if you want to catch up on everything, uh, even the stuff that we didn't give you this this uh, this show purposely. But uh, yeah, definitely read Ryan all online and uh, check us out. Um, check us check all of our stuff out online and, uh, on social media. We are RegalRadio.com. We're media. Uh, just Regal Radio, many ways you can search us, but uh, definitely show us love and uh, show it right back. But uh, for my man Ryan, this is Kyle Means signing off. Uh, keep building, y'all, and stay positive. We'll I'll at you later.